Hey team, welcome back to the Monday Morning Dad podcast. We've got a pretty awesome guest today. Honestly, Jim, I didn't think this would ever happen. And you know, when I first started this podcast, I had a kind of a tiered list of potential guests. So the bottom tier, it's like all the guys that without a doubt would say yes to me, either, you know, due to friendship or just blackmail that I had on them. You probably have a list like that. 100%, 100%. And then the top tier is a list of guys that would be a little bit more of a reach, you know, LeBron James. Tom Brady, Jim Hensel. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's, that's nice of me. Like, I'm definitely a B-rated guy right now, so I know my space. And yet here you are. So thanks for joining us. And uh, Jim, I know I mentioned in my email to you that we're talking through a productivity series, for lack of a better term. And in the last episode, we kind of ended by asking the question, what is your existing purpose? And I shared a quote from a book called Do More Better by Tim Challies that said, productivity is not what will bring purpose to your life but what will enable you to excel in living out your existing purpose. And, and when I hear you talk about values, purpose, identity, the, the thing that I think you nail, but I want some clarity on a little bit, is that our purpose is in our design. It's not something you do. Yeah. Um, if purpose is in what you do, then I can take away your purpose. Because I can take away what you do. So, you know who Rich Froning is? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I was just going to ask you that, actually. In in 2010, I'm not sure if you were working with him or not then, but uh, one of the things that he asked himself was, hey, man, if if CrossFit was taken away from me, like, who would I be? That's a question I I asked a lot of all. I I locked purpose, do, all of that in our culture, passion, all that's really confusing. And it was really confusing for me. And 18 years ago, my wife left me and I had two little girls and I'm face down depressed and I don't know which direction to go. And, and, and for me, I came out of a a strong faith background Um, in that horrible adversity in my life. What I realized was I didn't own any of that values or purpose, or I didn't own any of that. That wasn't mine. That was my dad's or some preacher's. And in that really tough space, that's where the genesis of mayhem mindset, what we call mayhem mindset now came from. I had to go on this quest to kind of figure out what that meant for me. And so one of the principles now, all these years later, and I fast forwarded looking at Rich, who came to me and was a client, Rich wasn't a client of mine. He was already a champion. He wasn't really concerned about winning CrossFit championships. He was looking at the second, the next 20 years of his life and going, all right, like, like what's next for me when I'm done with this? And that's the question I asked him. I said, Hey man, like if I took CrossFit from you tomorrow, who the hell are you? And I said it that aggressive and and he stopped and, and, and the challenge for him was he, he really had a lot of ideas about what that was. He just hadn't had sat down and done the, the, the work to organize it and put it in language. It's not in language. It's not a tool. Does that make sense? So separating my game is about separating your B that's values, talents, and purpose. That's what I call it for purposes of defining somebody from the do. I think that the, the task or the job in your world should be filled with purpose, but it can't be what your understanding of is purpose because that might go away. Like when you retire or something bad happens in your world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, so when you talk about the who you be, what does that, what does that mean? I, I know it probably drives people nuts grammatically, but I think it puts some words to our identity. Is that what you're referring to when you talk about the who you be? 100%. 
100%. And I do that on purpose so that for purposes of defining yourself, we have to separate some things out. We got to separate this idea of identity and values because those are two very different things. We got to separate them and get clear on them. And then we have to connect that to routine. That's goals, systems, habits, all those things. All those things are really important, but there are are three different questions in our life. And in the culture that we live in, for the most part, people talk about the last piece, the routine parts. It's uh, keep me motivated, you know, 101 ways to set the best goal, you know, let me get, let me, uh, let me try your system, all of that. But that's, that's the last piece of this. It's like you're, you're, so you're, you're, I can't remember, but you're a CrossFit athlete, or at least you, you understand weightlifting, right? Yeah, for sure. Right. So it's really good analogy here. Identity and values are the setup to the bar. It's the position of your feet. So if it's the first thing I was going to teach someone in weightlifting, it wouldn't be anything other than the position of your feet. That's, and if you had that wrong, I'd be like, getting that right fixed. I'd be getting it fixed first and coaching you. And then we wouldn't try to go hard. We put a PVC pipe in your hand until you had that all figured out. So what I do is I help someone set up to their life or the day properly, then connect that to routine. And in this space, there's all kinds of flimsy words like passion and all kinds of things that people say and do. Um, And my life experience taught me that I needed to walk this idea of purpose needed. It it was in the way that I was made. It was the way that I was put on this planet and I needed to be able to articulate that. And it didn't really matter what I was doing. My goal, and I'm using these words very carefully. One of my goals in life should be to make sure that everything I was doing was filled with purpose. Every job, everything that I was doing had a component of my design and my values mixed into it. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's why as we're looking at this productivity series, we're not jumping straight to the 225 snatch on the bar. You know, we're taking the time to set up and we're not going right to those systems and routines and all that stuff. I mean, that's where all this identity, purpose and values comes into play as we establish that foundation. And so I appreciate you using that great analogy with setting up and uh, and take, going through those steps to set that foundation. Uh, but Jim, you mentioned you come from a background of faith. So, uh, real quick, is it is it correct to assume that you would refer to yourself as a follower of Christ? Yeah, it's important. That's a good question to ask, and I always have to make a caveat when I say this. Um, mayhem mindset, specifically, what may, mayhem mindset is about, it is a it is a process for someone to define themselves. It's not an evangelistic tool. And a lot of times Christian people get mad at me. And so, because they think that I should be preaching what faith is. And that's not what Mayhem Mindset is about. Mayhem Mindset, I have lots of Christian people who come to Mayhem Mindset to get really clear on identity and values and routine. And I have lots of people who aren't also, who want to work through that. So the 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 most important value that I wrestled with 18 years ago, almost 20 years ago when this all went down was my faith. And I came from a very strong, um, it was good for the most part, really good. I, um, church was cool for me. My youth pastor was a stud. Our, you know, our flag football team had seven division one football players on it. We crushed everybody. I mean, football, 
played in the praise and worship band, all those kinds of things. The girl I married come from church. So I, in general terms, had good things to say about my faith. But in that dark moment, what I did, I'm telling you about me now. I'm not putting any of this on you or anybody else. You asked me about me. And so I'm telling you about how it worked for me. In that dark space, I, I made the mistake that the preacher was Jesus. And I blamed the preacher for all my problems. And 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 in and and then blame Jesus for that when really kind of the, the, the there was a bunch that went on in the background. Basically, what I'm saying is I, I dumped all my problems on Jesus, and that's not what should have happened. Jesus didn't do anything to me, so to speak. Are you tracking with me? I, I'm going to say this very frankly. I mean, in that space, as I was going through all that and I was defining myself, you know, the value of faith was on the chopping block. I was either going to get it figured out and decide what it meant for me and then actually live it, or I was going to cut it out. I mean, I literally wasn't going to, I was going to be a values guy moving forward, but probably you would never see me at a church or talking about faith again. So I came through that process, defining the redefining my faith. And, and so if you talk to me about faith, my faith is a personal relationship and starts with a personal relationship with the creator and the conversations that I'm having with him. It doesn't start with church and it doesn't start with the Bible. Once again, this is just me talking to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting this on you or anybody else that's listening. Those things are valuable to add, but you know what? I've been to some churches that are some of the worst places on the planet and I'll never go back. And I'd rather be high in the woods than go back to that church. And I've never been in high in the woods, but I'd be willing to try that (laughs) over going back to that church that was in my mind, religious. And I define religion as rules without the relationship. So if, if you're talking to me about my faith, man, my faith comes in, it's, it's personal and I'm, I'm, I'm never embarrassed to talk about it or share it, but I'm a walk it out before you talk it out kind of a human being. And I want to be clear when I'm talking about mayhem mindset, that mayhem mindset is not an evangelistic tool. People come to this process. And if you tell me you're a faith guy, I want you to prove that you're a faith guy. That's what I, I want you to prove to yourself. You're a faith guy. And, and whatever that value means in your world, it's not BS, it's real, and you're connected to it, and you're going to live it. Right. Okay. That's that's really helpful. And, and before we get to the values part of that, see if you can help me out here. I've been struggling with this a little bit as uh, I've been kind of understanding and defining my identity and that uh, my identity, my ultimate identity is found in who God says I am in his word. All right. So stop. Your, your identity, your personal identity who you are as a human being. Is it the same as everybody else or different? If you're a Christian, I would say your identity as a follower of Christ would be the same as those who claim that different gifts, same identity. Okay. I don't believe that. And that's what I'm wrestling with when it comes to the identity. I think you've got some great insight that would be helpful. And as you see other people of faith come to you, is that something that they wrestle with, with their identity? I mean, I would assume as they're following Jesus, reading his word and and understanding his character, a lot of that same language would come from like, Hey, these are, these are biblical values that I'm centering my life on these values. Is that what you see? Yeah, for sure. There are lots of Christians that come to me with this very question. And I was, I was, I was in the same space 18 years ago, almost, well, actually it's almost 20 years ago. And I keep kicking that around. I got to get it right. But yeah, I was in that same space and um, like, here's what I believe. I'm just going to, once again, you're asking me about me, 
right? Let's just, I, I'm going to keep saying it. You're, you feel free to disagree with me, but, but I think that each one of us were fearfully and wonderfully made in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that each one of us have a different role and responsibility on this planet. And I think that each one of us individually were born with gifts and talents that are not the same as everybody else. And if you go into the Bible, it talks about there's analogies. There's all kinds of analogies. And I try not to be too religious about those kinds of things when I talk about them, but it gives an example of a body and some, and and some of us are hands and some of us are feet. Some of us are, some of us can speak really well. And some of us can't, and some of us are full of grace and some of us aren't. And so uh, I, I came to the place where, where, and, and I think what this is, the important part here is defining terms because you're probably believing the same thing I'm believing and I'm probably believing the same thing you're saying. We're just not saying the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. And I think it's important. So is there then a difference between identity and purpose? For sure. And I think like, and, and I think there's, I think there's a, I, I think that identity and purpose to me are the same thing, but I think that's different for each one of us as an individual, for me, faith is a value. Now we're defining terms. Faith is not my identity. Faith is a value. So my identity inside of my faith happens to be different than yours, maybe, or there's overlaps. Maybe it's sort of the same. I, I think there's make, based on the dudes I work with, and I'm talking about even women too, maybe 10 10 or 11 or 12% of people really share kind of some of the same identity things that I have, even though we share a value of faith, faith happens to be the same. What the word of God says is for all of us, there are good guidelines in there for all of us. I I think for me, the huge challenge was I had grown up in this faith or religious environment and it was this big gigantic blanket thing. And I didn't know who I was as an individual inside of that. That's the point I'm trying to make here. And so many Christian people come to this process and it's the same way. If, if they're going to articulate something about their faith, they quote me a scripture and that scripture applies to everybody. And then if I ask them specifically about their communication with the creator or with God, they don't have that. That's not real. Interesting. And so that's where you say, prove it, right? hundred percent. When somebody comes to when somebody comes to mayhem mindset to this game, and I call it a game because there are rules to the game. Part of the game is I don't care who you are and what you believe. I want you to take the way you talk about what you believe or the way you would describe your beliefs and put that on the shelf for about eight weeks. And I want you to fight to say it in your own words. You can communicate to me what the word of God says to you and the truth to you in your own words. Now I'm buying in that you may actually live that. But if all you have, because here's the deal, if it's not real, and remember, if it's not in language, it's not a tool. That's science. That's, and if you believe that God made you, then you believe in science, right? The lo- logos, Greek word, language, yep. it means this. It means to think so you can speak it, so you can write it, so you can fix what you're thinking about and make it better. That's literally the process of being a human. Olympic part of your brain fires first. It deals with emotion. So we all have to deal with emotion. The neocortex fires. The neocortex puts language to what you believe. So we shouldn't be able to see where our emotions start and where our values stop. 
Those are supposed to work together. We were designed for that to work together. But so many people in our culture never get past the feeling or the emotion piece. The language part of who we are, it's underdeveloped or our ideology is underdeveloped. So, so yeah. many Christian people in the, in the culture that we live in who say they're Christians, if you were to ask them specifically about how the principles that are in the word of God apply in their life personally, all they can do is quote scripture. And that, mm -hmm. that will not survive the pressure test. Just that. Well, let's just pray. God bless. Let's just pray. Do that. And then what are you supposed to do? Because when's the last time you saw an angel come out of the sky and do something for you? And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit's not real or any of that. I'm just saying, what's our responsibility? And then what's God's responsibility? And I came from this place where, so me, I'm telling you about my experience now, my experience where it just wasn't real. Um, and so, no, I believe that our identity is unique and, and our responsibility is that, that here's something else that science has taught us. Our values are ordered in a hierarchy. So most people can talk about the three or four things that they believe in the most, and then past that, they can't. Interesting. So and that's the, that is also the way the brain works. So my anchor value happens to be my faith. It happens to be what everything else rests on. But it's not my only value. Fight, work, hope, faith, team, family, excellence, purpose, responsibility, love, and freedom. Did I nail it? Yeah, you did. That's crazy. That's cool. You did that. No one's ever done that before. And I added, and, and, and so with, with values, I believe there are three kinds of values. And these are things maybe you want to drive at, but it's important to this idea of testing values, testing values, testing values, testing, pressure testing in order to survive great adversity or even great opportunity. What we say we believe in has to be real. And then it has to be real and we have to be living it. And then it has to be in language that makes it real because that's to be human. So if you yeah. just quoting scripture and or neat quotes by W.T. Chesterton or whoever the hell your favorite <laughs> poet is, I don't even know if that's real. That's not good enough, man. And it won't survive the test. So and, and it's crazy, too, because you could probably dig around in the Bible and in, in there probably some instruction in there says that you're supposed to question everything and you're supposed to put it to the test. And I'm not going to quote it, but I know it's there. So for Christian people, for, for Christian guys I, and, and gals for that matter, I want them to be able to come with that question. And I want them to leave with a unique understanding of where they fit inside the ideology or their faith so that it ends up being very real. Here's a, here's a really good example. I don't care how fit you are. I don't, I don't care if you're rich froning. Come to the gym and look at the board and the workout is an AMRAP. If you don't know what an AMRAP is, I don't care how fit you are. You're two rounds down before you figure it out. Your job, where you work. Think of all the acronyms. I don't care yeah. how sharp, how smart you are. If you don't understand the language, the shortcut to the language to getting things done, we're in trouble. So the culture that we live in, like, this is sad what I'm getting ready to say, but a lot of our religious institutions have failed us. There's more divorce than there's ever been. And people are living life because of emotion, not with emotion. 
two very different things. And the momentum of our society just sweeps people off into a place. So if we're going to talk about this idea of values and values being real, and we're going to say that faith is an important value in our life, then for me, at least in my life, remember, it required me to be very clear about defining what that was and understanding where I fit inside that. And for me, it went to, holy crap, if this is not real and I can't talk to God directly, I'm not even interested at that point. So how did you land on those values? I mean, 20 years ago, you said was probably the worst time of your life. So did those stem from things you're gifted in? Are they ideals that you have? Or how did you land on those? That's a good question. So what I decided was purpose and values were two different things. Remember, I didn't read any of this in book. I got, I got this from nobody. I just decided it was different. What I realized was a strongest belief. They were saying, you know, the scientists were saying, hey, man, we make all of our choices and decisions based on our strongest beliefs. Like, that's what we're trying to do. Like, we're, we feel, and then we try to, our brain tries to go, well, what do I really believe about it? Somehow there's this processing. And if we don't have it in language and we don't have something that those, those values aren't owned, then we're in trouble. So I started pressure to, I wrote down all the things I thought I believed in. It took about six months to do it. I just made, I come home every night from work and make wow. these lists. All right. So I started with values and I started to figure out what these values were. And then I started to narrow the, the list. And then when I was looking at the list, what I realized in our culture was people just, they just pick 10 neat words that, that are more like aspirations. Yeah. Instead of being foundations are more like aspirations um, or things that they're hoping for in their life or things that they think sound cool or things that they see in the Bible or in some good motivational book and write them down. What I realized was that's not at all how values work. Values are supposed to be a position of strength. And then, and then we need values that represent our weaknesses. And then we need values that, that maybe we're not using every day, but we aspire to. So I created three categories of values that would represent all of who I was as a person. Not just 10 cool words, but family and fight and faith all happen to be pretty much big rocks I'm willing to die on. I pretty much know what that means in my life and those things never change. Yeah. At that point, based on my life experience, I was my first thoughts were always worry and afraid after being, my wife left me. So that was the emotion I was dealing with. So I picked hope as a weakness value or a clear target to aim at when I started to feel afraid. And I made a commitment based on my code that I was going to respond as a hopeful man would respond every time I was worried and afraid. Not fake it till you make it. I mean, I'm going to do it based on this code. And I defined hope as the spring that moves me forward. I woke up and I realized, holy crap, if I don't have some hope, I'm screwed. If I can't somehow, and I didn't feel hopeful, I didn't feel hopeful at all. Not one dang day did I feel hopeful. So I'm realizing, okay, this target, this, this value thing, it has to be a clear target to aim at, and I got to do it whether I want to or not. And then the next epiphany was, well, crap, that happens all the time. There's all kinds of things <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing that I don't feel like doing. So I had my strength values. I had my weakness values. And the other values I wanted were like ideal values that started me towards connecting to routine. And I trade those out every year. So for 20 years now, at the beginning of the year, I go back and I look at my, my purpose and my ideals, that never really changes because I'm wired up the way I'm wired up. The clues are in mm -hmm. your heart and the clues are in your design, what you're talented at. And I narrowed all those things down to one word. So I have three words that represent purpose. I'm really clear about what that's supposed to be in my life. No matter what I'm doing, I know what purpose is. 
I have this lens of these values that I'm always working with. And the values, the definitions change. The, the, I'm a grandpa now. The value of family has changed. I'm now a grandpa. It's been growing and I've been adding to that value every year. And then the values that are, are these weakness values change as my emotions change. And so there'll be a couple of values I'll begin to work with based on what I'm feeling. And then I always add a new one, at least one new ideal value every year. So it's, it becomes my study for the year. Um, last year, last year was freedom, self-discipline and freedom. I'm still working with. And those are things I'm thinking about all the time. So I have this, I have this, this code, this language that's always growing and the values are always growing and I'm always updating them. And I make sure every year that that position of strength or my setup for my life, my day is good and it's secure and it's solid and I can aim. So when those values are growing, does the overall word stay the same and the definition is just what's changing? Yeah, I think I'm, I settled, like a lot of people would say faith and family is, is a value for them. Yeah. And I couldn't think of other better words to describe it. You know, the, the key was my definition. I wanted to own what I said those things were in my life. Um, and so my definitions are always growing and I'm tweaking and I'm, I'm making sure it represents who I am at 54, you know, at this point, actually I'm 55 now. And then, and all those things have grown over time. Yeah. I mean, I've been having this conversation, at least in my own head for the past, I don't know, five or six years, just kind of coasting as a husband, a dad, an employee, even a, a believer, not really being intentional about fulfilling my purpose. And so when I sat down to go through this process, keep in mind, similar to you, I didn't have anyone leading me through this. I hadn't heard about you yet. I didn't have any mayhem mindset material or anything like that. But when I sat down, I basically did the same thing you did. I wrote down a bunch of words or characteristics that I thought either described me or those ideals that I was aspiring to. And so I came up with things like purity, obedient, generous, connector, excellence, multiplication, longevity, th those types of words. And now I'm not super creative by any means, but I wanted to express these values in a way that was memorable, that was powerful, and that flowed well. And so I sat on those for a few weeks, uh, maybe a, actually a couple months, and eventually found those values all grouped together into different categories. And ultimately what I settled on is that I want to be defined as being faithful, fruitful, and fit. And so all of those values kind of fall under faithful, fruitful, or fit. Am I tracking with you? Am I, am I heading in the right direction here? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think so. I think that any anytime you can take language and it's authentic and it's yours and you own it, and then to me, it I think I think in order to make values work, these categories, not because I created them, but because it's the separation we have as humans and how we work end up being really important. Uh, j just to go back to the faith thing real quick, you, your wife, your mom, your identity and your faith is not the same. It's not arguable. Right. Who your wife is inside of faith, what her gifting is, all that we could start to use some of those religious terms. It's not the same as yours. Agreed. Yeah. What you believe is the same. So coming out, understanding like you and I would probably have values if we laid our values out that would they'd overlapped. They'd yeah. overlap and pretty much we'd be saying the same thing. 
And so we'd be people inside of a community that would kind of be headed in the same direction. We would be in a community of people who really kind of believe the same thing. So I, I just think the key to this whole thing to making it stick and to making it real is to understand who you are as an individual. Look, what I'm getting ready to say, go ahead and argue with it if you want to. If you don't know who you are as an individual, how will you know how you fit in your family? How? If you don't yeah. know who you are as an individual, how do you know how you fit in your church? How do you know how you fit in your community? How do you know how you fit in society? How do you know how you fit in our culture? So it requires us to go back. The way we were designed by God, in my mind, requires us to go back and really have an understanding of who we each are as an individual, not for selfish reasons, but so we know where we're supposed to be pulling our weight inside of a family. You know, your wife has this, she has this gift and talent that you don't have, and you want to get out of her lane when she's in her place. It's more like riding a bike. Sometimes you're pushing and sometimes you're coasting, you know, sometimes yeah. you're pedaling and driving down. And when we start to work together like that, whether it's in a family or at church, and we understand the, the term would be giftings. And when I'm saying giftings, I mean identity in that space. You ever, you ever had, a, you, come on, man. Come on, man. Like you ever, you ever been to church and the really nice guy who's really good with people and he cares and he has such a servant's heart gets up to preach and he sucks. <laughs> I would hope people would not say that's me, that I'm the guy, but I'm probably the guy. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, the, the, the church I went to in Colorado before we moved here was phenomenal. And there were three pastors who preached. It was a big old church. And the one pastor, you couldn't, if it was him, you were down. And if it was the second guy, you were like, okay, I'll sit and listen to him. And if it was the third guy, we went to the car, jumped in the car, went and got donuts. I'm not going to sit and yeah. listen to that guy. He's boring and I can't, I can't connect with him. So the point I'm trying to make is none of those people were any less saved or any better people. One of them, just his identity was the dude who got up there. And he did such a great job making that stuff come alive. And then I moved to the South and I love the South, but there's some churches around here that are some of the worst places I've ever heard. You want to talk about condemnation and I, I would never go, I will never go to church ever again if that's the place where you have to go to church. Hmm. So that's, that's this idea of identity and values in my mind. Yeah, man, look, if my faith is directly connected to my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and my conversation with him, don't you think I should hear from God? Absolutely. I think you should, if you say that's yeah. real. I think you should be able to walk outside and get a message from him. If it's real, I, I can't tell him the times people come up and come come up to me now in my in my spot, my role spot now and said, Hey brother, you know, I you know, I, I got a message from Jesus for you, or God told me to tell you this. Yeah, you're like, I don't know, man, because I was talking to him yesterday. He didn't say that. So you know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to do. do is to eliminate any of that weirdo confusion, any of that weirdo confusion and in my faith now, and I, I don't usually talk about faith as much, but I want to be very clear about it before we move on to whatever you want to talk about so that nobody's out there confused. My, my, my faith is based on my personal relationship with the creator. And um, it's, it's the most important thing in my world. And it happens alone in the dark and I'm not embarrassed of it. Um, but it's something that I walk out in my private time and I'm never ashamed to talk about it to anybody. It's not about that, 
but I just realized in that tough time that each one of us should own that so that what we say we believe in, it'll survive the pressure that the world has and that we don't compromise and it's real. And we're not just reaching for some scripture, although there's nothing wrong with the language and what's going on in the scripture. But if it comes with a foundation of you truly understanding what that means and how to apply it to your life, well, then you can live it. Just like you going to work or you going to CrossFit, it requires, that's what's required to be human in my mind. So, well, thanks for the clarification on that. That's good. And, and for the comedic relief of calling me out, being the guy who gets up to preach and everyone leaves. I wasn't even referring to you. I was just saying there's that guy. <laughs> well, I'll send you some sermons and uh, you can tell me later, but you mentioned my wife and I would agree she's gifted in many different ways than I am. She's really great at a lot of things, but is your wife the same where she's pretty intentional about this as well. Like, did she get the free mayhem mindset course? Do her values align pretty close with yours or are they completely different? Yeah. So one of the most important parts of this process is, and I won't, we get a lot of married people to do it, but on purpose, I make each couple do the work by themselves first. That's great. So I want each, I want each individual to define themselves and it's really revealing when you get done in a fun way. Like, you know, because all the time people want to go, well, let me go ask somebody. You're not even allowed to ask anybody. I want you to, I want you to ask anybody. I want you to do this work. And then in the second half of the course, we bring all that other stuff back. You bring your scriptures back, bring all those things that you say you really believe in and, and, then, and then tie that all together. But yeah, like I'll have, a, I'll have a married couples do it. And then at the end, then they'll take who they say they are as individuals. It's fun to see where their values overlap. And then, and then write something for your family from there. As the man and the, and the wife, as the couple, what is it that you want to teach your kids? Because who you are, hey man, I don't, how many kids you got? Two girls. Two little girls. I, I had two yeah. girls too. Uh, one of them was a lot like me and the other one was nothing like me. You know, so if I was like looking, there were values I wanted to teach them, but identity wise, they were nothing like me. And, and so I had to begin, if I was doing my job as the parent properly, I was looking at who they were created to be values, talents, and purpose, and then teaching to that. Here's another thing that's really interesting about purpose. And this will throw people, but it's true all the time, a hundred percent of the time. When people start to tell me what their biggest problem is, if we can clean it away, clear it away, and we connect that problem to a value, it's actually purpose in their life. Explain that for me a little more. Here's here's as I walk this thing back. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit deeper with this. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you me as an example, and then I'll talk about my kids. Okay. I my three purpose words are challenge, exhort and encourage. I believe I was put on this planet to challenge, exhort, encourage. Foundationally, I believe I was put on this planet. Me personally, my job is to tell the truth. The do that best represents me. Are you tracking when I use those, when I'm using the language weird? I do. Yeah. The do that best represents me is to coach. Does that sound like me to coach? Uh, yeah. From what I know, it does. My dad was like frustrated with me at seven. Cause I was trying to coach him up on how to change a tire <laughs> on a car. You okay, know, like yeah. it just pours out of me. Like my air, it doesn't matter what job I'm always been over trying to talk to someone, trying to be like, Hey, how you doing? You feeling okay? Let's try to fix yeah. it. I'm always been coaching my whole entire life. 
So what I wanted to do was I wanted to take that job, the do, that's coach. Tell the truth, coach. That's why God put me here on this planet. Teach, coach, something like that. I decided the word was coach. What are the ingredients of being a coach for me? What is that? If, I, if, if the coach was the stew and I wanted to know what went into it, it was the pot of chili that was called coach. What were the ingredients that got dumped into it? So that I can break this down to really a couple words that every dang thing I'm doing should be infused with this. Oh, I know. The very gracious side of who I am is encouraging. Yeah. The middle ground, the middle ground is, is exhort. Exhorting, yeah. And the very truthful side of who I am is challenge. challenge. Sometimes okay. it's like, hey, buddy, come on, you got it. And sometimes it's more like, yo, yo, you're going to do it. And next time it's like, I demand, get your ass off the floor and give me one more, whatever that is. And I come from this football environment, right? Right. So purpose for me was to challenge, exhort, and encourage. My name is James Dean Hensel. I'm a challenger, exhorter, encourager. I will run to the battle, for in the battle I find peace. I'm the father of Taylor and Brittany, daughters of promise. Means something. The husband of Kristen Hensel, FG. The son of Myron Melvin Hensel, The Rock. This is this code that I wrote for myself. And all of that stuff in there doesn't mean anything to you. But it's super powerful to me now. For sure, yeah. Remember, we talk about purpose not connected to values will destroy you. The first 25 years of my life, challenging, exhorting, and encouraging not connected to values just made me an asshole. Honestly. I bet. Just running around telling people what I saw. And I was yeah. right a lot of the time, too. Hey, what you just did right there is stupid, man. You should fix that. Well, I mean, I can prove it to you. Watch. This works better. Deal with it. Turn around and walk off. So what was it that made that change then? I'm, I'm starting to look at the disaster my life was. My yeah. brothers are looking at me and they're mad at me. They're like, you're right all the time, but you're a jerk. Yeah, you're always challenging, exhorting, encouraging, and you make us feel like dog doo-doo. Oh, crap. Well, I got to connect this to values, to challenge, to exhort. To, I got to take my ego out of it. I can't show up to be right all the time. I got to show up for other people. Can't be about me. It's got to be about them. And my daughters were the first place where I really, oh my God, I cannot let this divorce and my bad mistakes be their thing. It's not mm -hmm. fair. I can't do that. I got to get my emotions under control. It's not their fault. I got to show up for them. All right, what am I going to do? How do I do that? Okay, all right. They're not me. I'm, I'm a challenger, exhorter, encourager. I, my, my nature is let's draw the sword. It's a good day to die. Let's just charge up that hill. It'll work out or it won't. You with me? Yeah, that's my nature. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. It's my nature. What does that mean? I'm born with it. It pours out of my heart. Or God made me that way. It just needs to stay connected to values, brother. Got it. Yeah. And, and that definition of that nature or, or those values that make up that nature are changing, right? As, as Britton Taylor, as those daughters come along. As I look at those two young ladies, my nature is to tell the truth or to coach. It'll get me in trouble if I don't keep it connected to value. Still to this very day, my intensity levels, my emotions are no longer out of control. I've really grown up. You're not going to ever see me be out of control of my emotions, but I'm an intense person. When I walk in the room, people feel me. It's not, I'm a thermostat. It's my nature. 
I'm not the thermometer. I'm the thermostat. So when I walk into the room, people just feel me. It is just the way I'm wired. I've got to dial that back. I, my wife doesn't know. It's bro. We're going to have a, the grandkids are coming over tonight on the patio. I don't need to challenge, exhort, encourage. Not at all. That's not what they're looking for. No, I just need to be Papa Jimmy. Yeah. That's it. Just pick up your granddaughter, bro. My purpose, my personal purpose and identity will do no one any good on the patio tonight. I, I'm just, I'm, I, one of my values is, is family, right? I'm going to set aside my personal purpose to make sure that I arrive in the space and support my core value of family. And tonight, my wife will lead the way. She'll be, she'll be kiki and my little granddaughter will run around everywhere. I'll make sure the fire stays stoked and the thought in it. And I'll make sure everybody's super happy. Our, this is what, this is a problem with men today. They get married and then there's this conflict between who they were born to be capital B E and then who their family and their children and their wife was born to be. And there's a conflict. So I started looking at my daughters and going, all right, all right, if I'm the coach or challenger, exhorter, encourager, let me set that aside for a second. And let me, if I believe God made my daughters, well, who did he make them to be? Because it's not me. That doesn't seem stupid to me. That made a ton of sense. Now, there were values I wanted to teach them that were the same. Brittany is one of the, was one of the most selfish people I'd ever met right out the gate. It made her fantastic on the soccer field and paid for her college education because she'd take the ball, turn, and go to goal. But on a personal level, it just made her mean. So I had to teach Brittany the value of sacrifice. Being selfish in her nature made her strong. She just won an Emmy. She's amazing. She can show up in a room. And she's a thermostat and people pay attention to her and she's a leader and connected to values. It's an amazing thing and not connected to values just makes her a lot like I'm saying, just kind of a, just kind of a, if we're being honest, Taylor, on the other hand, was one of the most gracious people you ever met in your life. One of the most kind, gentle, gracious people and that not connected to values. Okay. Cause it needed to be connected to values because what happened is she just let everybody run her over. So in her early relationships, even though she'd been taught values her whole life, man, she, she let some dudes do some things to her she shouldn't have. So we had to teach her the opposite of what that grace is connected to values. Man, this is really helpful. Yeah. Identity, man, as a father, we've got to look at our kids and some of it's similar to us and some of it's not. I got a really good friend who's, uh, he's just high speed, bro. He's like, you know, he's like a, now, all these years later, he's the chief of a big fire department and been a paramedic and been on the squad team, the SWAT team, and you know, blah, 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 blah. And his little boy has got glasses this thick and likes bugs. The only thing he has in common with his son is that they're both male. And he, his whole entire life, well, early, struggled with, I don't know how to relate to this kid. He's not anything like me. Yeah, no, well, I'm trying to be careful what I say here. No, duh. Like, yeah. Like who you are personally, like, do, do you believe that God made that kid and you're supposed to be his dad? Yeah. Well, adjust, stop thinking about who you're supposed to be and start thinking about how you help him become everything he was designed to be. And so that was going to be my question. And I think you're hitting on it a bit, but your daughters 
what is then our role as dads as we shepherd our kids, encourage them? I imagine you help them identify their values a bit individually. And then as a dad, how are you encouraging them in those? That's a really good question. Like, obviously, when they're that little, like it's hard. I work with kids in, even in high school and it's hard for them to really identify what a value would be because they're still developing. Yeah. Like a six and a three-year-old. I don't know if I'm really going to be working through that with them. No, I mean, I, I didn't try to teach my girls who they be. I just paid attention to what I saw as it related to identity. Hey man, yeah. what were they put on the planet for? What are their talents? What are their emotional hangups? You know, how do I teach them to overcome those things? I started teaching them the values that I wanted them to live early and start talking to them about designing, defining themselves. So they were in high school. So I yeah. started with three values. Here's another thing I learned. Are, are these your family values? No, nope, these were values I taught them early and okay. they, you, we could say maybe you would call them family values, but I didn't have that language set up yet. I, I knew yeah. who I was as an individual and I had mine and I'm like, all right, fight. Uh, I can't teach you either one of them that, uh, <laughs> hope, uh, ah, you know, I mean, I don't know how to do that. Right. What, what's applicable to them. I, I know I'm going to live my values and they're going to watch me more is caught than taught more is caught than taught. I'm going to work. I'm going to walk it out and they're going to see me do that. But what are the three values I could start with and begin to teach them? And I picked them kind, gentle, and generous. That's the three I started with them. They were little. Now, what I realized was values and rules are two very different things. They're important, but they each have their space. Values, teaching, teaching values is how you teach critical thinking skills. Values are like a filter. Rules, rules you can put on the fridge and they're just to be followed, but you don't want to, you, you want to have, rules are a reserve parachute. You, you want as many as you need, but everything else needs to be a value yeah. because you don't want 50 rules. Like here, here's a perfect example. Taylor hits Brittany. Actually, it would been the other way around. Brittany hits Taylor and Taylor is crying. And I go to Brittany and I say, Brittany, what rule did you break? What is that rule number seven or 12 or 14? Or what is that? You know, if you got 50 rules on the fridge, she's got to run around there and then she memorizes them and then it actually makes her rebellious. Yeah. Pretty soon she's like, I'm going to break all your damn rules, you know, because that's what happens, right? Rules were made to be broke. Ah, okay, what do I do here? Values, teach values. I don't even have to have any rules on the fridge. I just said, Brett, was that kind, general, or generous? Mm -hmm. And she said, no, dad. I'm like, what are you doing it for then? Critical thinking. Yeah, that's gold. That's good. So we worked hard at kind, gentle, and generous. And then as they began to develop through that, then Brittany, like I told you, Brittany became sacrificed. The, one of the most important things I ever told her through her whole entire childhood, all the way to a young adult, was you need to sacrifice for somebody. I get that you're a hard charger. I understand that you're right. She was a lot like me. I get it. 100% very much like me, just a little female version of me, but you're going to sacrifice for your sister. And I required it. The rule was... Whatever your sister needs, you will make happen. That was the rule that was on the fridge. Now, how have you seen that impact your daughters now as they're grown? Like, are they still living out those values? Have, have you seen that work that we put in early on that paid a lot of dividends now that they're grown and doing their own thing? Single-handedly set them apart. Wow. It, it sent them, 
It sent them into the world with a very clear understanding of who they were as an individual. Remember, yeah. if you don't know who you are as an individual, then how do you know where you fit in your family, on your team, in society, and in culture? And, and so if you're not teaching the kid based on not just values, here's what Jesus says. That's important. But here's what Jesus created you to be. Yeah. That's different. Sure. You're not Bill, you're not Shelly, you're not Eileen, and you're not Grandma Johnson, or whatever the heck her name is. You are this person. And so, Brent, you will sacrifice for your sister, period. And if I find out that there's, she's got some problem you could have handled, you're in trouble with me. You will stop and slow down for her. Well, she's still doing it to this day. The most important thing a parent has to teach a kid, the most important thing, your job as a dad, if I just say this and you, they get one thing from this, I'm going to show you something. There's, there's one question that 100% we're trying to answer every day of our entire life. And you'll be trying to answer this question for the rest of your life. Am I enough? In your greatest moments of opportunity, your darkest hour, will you be enough? Society is asking this of us and we're asking it of ourselves. It happens when you go into a room with a bunch of new people and you, I hope I don't look stupid. I hope I don't fail. Am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? And if a father is not teaching her daughters or that son for that matter, that they're enough from the very beginning. And I'm not talking about they're good enough and you're always going to win. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you are t you're telling them what their identity is. You're helping them understand their heart why it's wired up like it's wired up, why what they think and believe and emote comes out of it that way and how to connect it to values. If you're not teaching a little girl that you're more than boobs and butts in the culture we live in, hey, it's cool yeah. if you're pretty and that's just fine, but be intelligent. If you're not talking all of that, if you're not saying to her, don't you ever let anybody put their hands on you in any kind of a way, unless you ask them to, if you're not teaching them those kind of things, then you're not instilling in them one, their personal identity and their values, and your kid's going to get swept away. Yeah, Jim, man, this is really awesome. I mean, I mentioned a lot of the guys listening to this are right in that age range where they've got young daughters and they're asking the question, man, how am I going to encourage them with these things? How am I going to remind them of their identity, who they've been created to be, whatever that may look like. And, and so that's super helpful just walking through that. I 100% realized that when the girls got to be teenagers, I was like, man, they're going to do whatever they want to do. It doesn't matter what I told them. So if I haven't done a good job early in helping them really understand who they are and their value, I never taught my kids don't have sex before you get married. I, what I told them was don't ever let a man touch you unless he's super valuable. Because you're valuable. You're amazing. You're worth so much. Don't ever let a man put his hands on you in any, whether it's physically or sexually in any kind of a way, man, choose well, because you're, you're worth a ton. Oh, what happened? Yeah. The result of that was they're super freaking picky about how that worked in their life. And, and they, there was never, they were never one of those young ladies who, who that we see it in our culture so much that the young lady doesn't know who she is. And she knows if she gives her body away, he'll pay attention to her. That wasn't at all where Taylor and Brittany were. And it proved itself. They're like, man, looking down at the dude, like, yeah, you ain't touching me. And it wasn't because Jesus said so. He did in the word because it was good advice. Mm -hmm. But it was practically applied in their life because they knew who they were. 
And I know you're probably going to take the humble approach here, but I'm going to say a good on you, Jim. I mean, that was a hard part of their lives as well as you went through the divorce and single parenting. And so I definitely respect you for leading them in that way, especially as they were young. I mean, it's really important. I made a ton of mistakes. The one place that I can stand to this day and tell you that I got super intentional with after that was being a dad. And I did, I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes in that process because I did, I didn't say it right. But I tell you what, at the, at, at, when you talk about not being balanced, being intentional, I did everything I could to be their dad and to be there for them. And that was one space that Taylor said to me one time later in life. She said, hey, dad, you know what the greatest thing you ever did for me was? And I got super quiet because I made them everything in my world. And she yeah. said, you gave me your time. I could count on you. You were consistently there with, for me all the time. And I'm super proud of that today. That, that piece, I'm super proud of. And, and I, don't, I have a lot of things I'm not very proud of. So that one, I, I, I can hold up and say, man, I can tell you I gave max effort in that area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and I want to circle back to something real quick, because you've mentioned this a few times now, and it's this idea about adversity and how our values need to withstand extreme adversity. And so as I'm thinking about it now, what is adversity? Like my, my daughter and I, we like to go on walks in the woods behind our house. And when she gets to the bottom of a hill, she'll just stand there and, and just say, I hate hills. So is, is that adversity? Is it the hills on our walk? Is it the darkest and lowest point in your life like you've described? Is it something else altogether? And, and how do we know if our values are going to withstand that extreme adversity? Yeah, that's a great freaking question. And to me, adversity is pressure. That's how I describe it. And it could be, it, it's pressure that we create. You might create it. Mm-hmm. Do it to yourself, or it's pressure yeah. that somebody else puts on you. Um, the other piece is that it's it's also opportunity. Values have to survive a giant opportunity. If you don't know who you are, you don't know who you be, and you get in a space, you're going to miss a giant opportunity because you're not you're you're not focused and thinking about things the right way. So I, I used to put I used to it was the bear trap game when the kids were little because I'm using all these little kid analogies, you know. Brittany would come running by and I reach out and grab her foot. She'd fall to the ground. And I'm like, you're in a trap. You're in a bear trap. Get out. You know, let's go, you know, and yeah. she'd love to wrestle and she'd kick and she'd fight and she'd go nuts. And, you know, after just a second, I'd let her go and she'd stand up and she, you know, you know, most muscular pose like, yeah, I dominated you. And then she'd run off and I do the same thing to Taylor and she'd lay there and whine. I don't wow. want to play this game. I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to happen. I don't want to do this. Flash forward, we did a ton of soccer. So this, is, this, is, this is me teaching the girls about when it's important, who you be, developing a skill, a mindset skill to overcome the negative emotion that seems to be the thing for you. You got to develop a skill set. So when you feel it, we got to develop skills. And, I, and that's part of what this process is. We work on a lot of mindset skills. Fast forward, girls play in these, you know, like Olympic development soccer teams. Brittany's that girl up front who will shoot the ball. Taylor, by her nature, is a better athlete than Brittany, but she's, she'd rather pass. That's her nature. She'd rather pass. Okay. So she plays in the middle of the field, in the midfield, where she can kind of quarterback the whole thing. And I remember flashing back to a game where it's a championship game, and it was a mess, and we were excited, and everything's crazy, and Brittany got hurt. And at one point in the game, to win the game, 
there's a girl she's got she's got taylor's jersey and she's dragging her and taylor very aggressively smashes the girl's arm off her back turns and goes to goal shoots and wins and i'm freaking out because i can tell you even at that level that was not her nature wasn't her nature she was she's just always going to just try to get somebody else in a good position and i asked her about i asked her about it later and she looked at me and she's like yeah sometimes you got to do what you got to do for your team what you got to do for your family oh my god what did she just say taylor was fierce in defense of her team and her family i found that answer to her nature if if she could see herself in that space and her role then she could do in the context of the game what Brittany just could do naturally. And so then my language changed with her and I knew how connected to values to motivate her and what kind of a skill. So I knew how to, that it it just wasn't her nature. She just wasn't mean enough, honestly, just wasn't enough nasty in her to do that. Um, But she realized that, man, I got to do this for my team right now. Um, So those are the things that I was looking for adversity, uh, you know, sports, People say sports build character, but they also, you know, I think sports actually reveal character. Real life is where we're supposed to develop and sports are a place for that. So creating those those mindset tools for your kid, helping them understand, here's how you feel. Here's what we believe. Now, this is what we're going to do. And saying that in a way that they can get it ends up being like the job of the dad, I think, and the mom for that matter. Yeah, I love it. And one of the things that I also love that you say is positive values anchor you through adversity and ground you in success. So for sure, as we're raising kids, there's going to be moments of adversity and it's going to be hard to see as a parent. And there are going to be times you're winning the game um, and excited to see that as a parent. But no matter what life throws at you, whether it's promotions and the blessing of children or disease, divorce, and loss, the the positive values anchor you in adversity. They help you stand firm and ground you in success. They provide humility and gratitude. Am I, am I on point with that? hundred percent. Like, like you tell me if you, if you disagree with this, there's a day we're born and that's a surety. Yeah. And, and there's a day that you die and that's a surety. Mm-hmm. Father time's undefeated. Even the people Jesus healed, they're dead. You know, like there's the day we die. From the time we're born to the day we die, we were put here in my mind with faith being my anchor value with purpose, with design. It wasn't an accident. And so what I want for my children is I, I want them to travel as straight a line as possible and not rabbit trail. I know that mistakes teach us lessons. For sure. And we're all going to make mistakes. Rebellion. But here's another one. Mistakes. Mistakes, man. I probably, ha- I probably have two or three ways to fix mistakes because I don't want my kids to be afraid of mistakes. Rebellion. I smash that immediately. And those are very different things. Mm-hmm. But I want my kids to travel a pretty straight line. I don't want their lives, you know, big things like drugs or getting pregnant before you get married. Things that can throw you completely off of your line of purpose. They don't match the values that you'd hope for your kids and they throw you off the line. So I want to teach them that so that they can maximize who they were designed to be on this planet. And the values anchor you in that adversity and they keep you grounded as good things happen. 
for me with my kids, like, I don't know, faith for me is the evidence of things that you can't see or you can't prove. Right. So for me and the way I taught my kids, I didn't spend a lot of time talking about what's going to happen after you're dead. Cause I got no way to prove any of that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, we talked about it. We talked yeah. about our, but what we could control was this planet. We can control that space to a certain degree that that what happens to you that's god's deal and god's going to judge your heart and god's going to god's ultimately going to be the one who's responsible for what that means and i'm going to trust that he's a good god and he's going to see that in an accurate way and he's going to take care of me so i really tried to focus on and i always try to focus on hey man from from the day i was born to the day i die how do i maximize what it is that god gave me um so that I stand up. This is what I think is going to happen someday. And this is according to Jimmy. This is first Jimmy. I'll take it. I'll take it. Can, can you imagine if this is what it was like? What if we stand before God someday and somehow he's got two screens, two big screens. And one of them, one of them is playing your life as it was. Every day, the way it went, all your sin, all the trouble, all the challenge. And the other screen is his perfect design, what he intended. And then he takes those two screens somehow because they have that technology in heaven and they <laughs> put them over each other and you see all of your defi- deficiencies. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening anyways. Sure. We're, we're sinning. We're missing the mark. All of us have. Our, birth, our, our best effort is a dirty rag and you know what that translates to. Yeah. So that grace, that, that mercy that's something that we have to accept and we want to fix those problems and not make them again. But man, my goal is to stand in front of God. And I really want him to say something like, Hey, geez, you screwed that up for about 26 years. Hardcore. But you know, you know, like I, I know this is not, I said, this is first Jimmy, uh, but you know what, you know, the last 30, you, you brought it back, you know, like sometimes when I'm, when things aren't going my way, I, I'll ask God like, Hey man, I know karma is a thing, right? I mean, what you saw was what you reap, you know, like how many good things do I got to do before what I start consistently reaping is pretty dang good. And that's like a dark sense of humor joke that I have with God. Yeah. I mean, those, those last 30 years are the grace of God in your life that he's allowing you to go through those most difficult moments in your life and make those changes in your life. But, uh, Hey Jim, I'm, I'm really thankful that you made the time to come on here today. There's a lot of things that I wanted to talk about that, we didn't quite get a chance to, but uh, I know you've got to get that fire rolling. And I, uh, I don't know what we're doing for our tailgate over the football game, but I've got to get that rolling too. But I think there are a lot of husbands and dads listening that will greatly benefit from your encouragement. And quite honestly, that the challenge as the challenger that you provided today. I mean, just following you as I've uh, kind of followed along on Instagram and social media, I've, I've seen that you've changed a lot of lives by helping people understand their purpose and, and really get after it. So I'm hopeful that this conversation with you today will, will lead to some more of the same, but real quick for, for everyone listening, if they're interested in diving into this more, obviously they can follow you at, at Jimmy underscore Hensel on Instagram. On That's Instagram. the Instagram. Yeah. I pay attention to that. I will tell you what too. I always do like a podcast special. So it's, it's normally $497 to work through the course with me coaching. I do a live Monday webinar every Monday morning. And then um, we have a couple of webinars in the evening time. So podcast special, they mention, um, email me. My personal email is silver 
at mayhemmindset.com. And they mentioned this podcast and, and I'll do it for 250 bucks for anybody that wants to work through it. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you so much. And that's the self-paced course on the Mayhem Mindset website, right? Yeah. And it's not the self-paced one. It'll have the coaching. Self-paced is like oh, 419 and the webinar version where you actually get to talk to me or one of my coaches. I have one other coach that does this where you actually get to, you work through the process, but every Monday you get some personal coaching. Um, that's 479 normally. So we'll do it for 250 and put you in the webinar version. Oh, nice. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you have a family workbook on the website as well? Yeah. I think that thing's like 50 bucks and it's like, um, that comes with everything you need to, you could actually sit down in, you know, on a Saturday evening and kind of work that work through the work through that with your wife and your kids. I think there's a little game that's connected to it where, if you're somebody who kind of knows what your values are and you want to work on some family values, that's a really cool little tool. Oh, nice. Well, thank you again, Jim, for coming on. You're the man. Loved it. Thank you. Uh, one last question. I don't know if you can see this behind me, but I just recently started filming these so folks can watch on, on YouTube. But uh, I've been trying to add some little things to the shelves every time I have an episode. And so this is my Minnesota Golden Gophers helmet. We don't need to talk about that this week, but as I was thinking about what can I put up there for Jim, this is the one thing that came to mind. So next time I'm in Cookville, we got to find some time to go shooting together. I love it. You come out here and we'll do it, man. I do that every week. There, there's plenty of space out in Cookville to do that. We got a little range right up the street where me and my friends go hang out. You're welcome. Perfect. All right, man. Well, enjoy your night. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks again for coming on here today. Peace, man. See ya.